Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We've been uh, speaking for a while now uh, in that moment of uh, from the cross and the resurrection of Jesus to Pentecost, those 50 days, the 40 days with Jesus, and then after he ascended, those handful of days and that day of Pentecost, and we've been talking through those for quite a while, and I felt like I needed to continue on in that mode for just a little bit, and we'll see how far we get uh, today, um, but I think it's very important to, to think about then after Pentecost, what happened? You know, how, how, did, they, how did they live? How did they react? And, and kind of what happened in their lives? And so I'm just going to start talking about that, you know? And then who knows? We might just travel straight through the rest of the Bible to the end. I don't, we'll get to Revelation sometime maybe, and that'll be fun. Uh, just kidding. I don't think I'm going to go. I'm not one of those guys. Uh, seems like I might be becoming one of those uh, guys, but so you have this moment at Pentecost and uh, in Acts chapter 2, you have this boldness of Peter to preach and to speak uh, to the people, to call them out and and to tell them like, hey, this is not what you think it is. This is actually the Spirit of God that is coming that the prophet Joel spoke about and, and they started moving in that way of, of boldness, and they came together, and the church started growing. Uh, and when I say the church, it's, it's not the church building. It was the people of God started just coming together in unity, coming together to be one to uh, because they are one in Christ, and to come together to, to live and help and they, you know, of course, the scripture says that they sold possessions and, and brought it all together so that no one was uh, left out and not taken care of, that, that they did all these things because they realized that this was what life was all about. It was about Christ. It was about what he had just done, and for us it's quite a while ago, but what he did for us, and that was the meaning of life. And I, I think it's interesting, you know, because there's this question, you know, like, what's the meaning of life? You know, what am I supposed to do with my life? How am I supposed to live? And, and when you find this out, I mean, it's Him. It's Christ. He, he is the reason and he is the one that we should be living our lives just seeking to be more like and to come closer to. So we come in chapter 3, and I'm just going to share some of this, so I'm not reading three chapters of Scripture to you today, but just talking through a couple of things that in chapter 3, there's uh, Peter and, and John, I believe, and, and they're walking up to uh, the temple, and 
they come to this place where this lame man was laying there who had come every day and, and they'd placed him there and what he was doing was asking for money and they come by him and, and he's like, hey, you got anything for me? And I love this moment because they say, it's like, well, we don't have money, but we've got something way better than that. Like silver and gold, we don't have. But what we do have, what's way better, we're going to give that to you. And they just told him, rise up and walk. And he hops up and gets up. Lame from birth, he was not able to walk from his mother's womb. And, and this spirit of God that is within them, that, that allowed them to speak with boldness and power, just rises up and, and speaks over this man, rise up and walk. And he did. And as he did, he grabbed hold of them, and they walked ahead, went ahead and went into uh, what's called Solomon's porch. And everybody was marveling and, and making this spectacle and talking about what had just happened. And, and and they're like, oh my gosh, like it's, this is just wild. He, you know, everybody had seen him every day as they walked by. They knew him. And to see him now standing up, walking around was something that everybody could know was a miracle from God. So Peter, I love Peter, I like this guy. It's like, why? Why are you guys marveling at this? Why? This is God. By the way, this is the one that you rejected, the one that, that you guys didn't want. So then we get to this point where, because everybody's gathering around, and there was this miracle that happened, and they're preaching in Jesus' name and speaking about who he is. And so then the priests and the Pharisees and everybody come, and they lay hands on them, and not in a good way. It says they laid hands on them. I mean, everybody wants to get hands laid on them, but not that way. So they grab them, they arrest them, and take them in and, and start to question them. And their response is, is awesome. And a response that I, I hope that for myself and each and every one of us that we can have in any moment like this. The problem is, I, I mean, I say it's a problem, you would be like, that's not really a problem, but... We're not pushed to this point enough, I believe, in our lives and where we live of being confronted with what we truly believe so that we have to stand up in boldness. Now, I believe that things are changing and we are getting to those points because we haven't been standing in the boldness of the Spirit like we should have for many years. So they're confronted and say, well, why are you, 
By whose name are you saying all these things? And they tell them, it's Jesus. The one that you crucified, the one that you rejected. That chief cornerstone, the one that everything is built on. It's in his name that that we say all these things and we do all these things because he's the only one that can actually do them. And they're getting frustrated and angry and they tell them, they say, hey, listen, they don't really know what to do. They want to get rid of them and they say, hey, you need to stop speaking in Jesus' name. And again, Peter, he rises up. And says, whether you think that it's good in your eyes for us to listen to you more than God, you be the judge. Like if you think, like he's throwing it back in their face, you know? I love it when somebody can just put somebody's beliefs right back at them to tell them how they are wrong. He says, you believe in God. So tell me, is it better to listen to you or to God? And then they're just really frustrated. And don't know what to do with them. And they kick them out. And they come back to their people. And in Acts 4, verse 23, and I'm going to read a chunk of this. And it says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests all of it, that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So that when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings on the earth took their stand and the rulers who were gathered together against the Lord and against Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. I love that they specify that. They know that it it didn't feel great. It didn't seem great in the moment. But these things were purposed by God, not by man. To do whatever whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord. Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now what I want to look at first of all here is is this amazing moment that when they came back from being arrested and came back to to the group and they told them everything that happened, they were in one accord, they were in unity, 
We need more of that. And when they came back, they told them everything that had happened and they prayed together. But if you see in this, and, and I didn't really before as I had read this, but this is a, a, a parallel to what happened at Pentecost and shows us that what happened on Pentecost isn't a standalone event. It's not something that just happened one time and went away. And it happens again here. And things continue to happen as people come together and as we walk in the Spirit, in the power of, of Christ, like we are supposed to and, and how we should walk with Him, then these things can happen. So we see here that they prayed. In Acts 1, before Pentecost, they were praying. We see here that they were filled with the Holy Spirit when they came together and prayed. And in Acts 2, at the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Spirit. And in this scripture, I love it. God shakes the building. And in Acts 2, it doesn't say that he shakes the building, but it, sa it says that, that he came as a mighty rushing wind. And I can imagine, anybody been in like crazy windstorms? Things shake. You don't just stand there like it's just nothing happening. So you see that in this moment, that it's another moment where when they came together and prayed and sought after God and, and stood they're asking him for him to move, and he did move. And in this moment, when he moves, they stand up and, and speak with boldness. They ask for boldness, and he gives them boldness. And in Acts 2, they stand up and are speaking in tongues with boldness right? doesn't matter what's going on. We are in the moment. We are with, with the Holy Spirit moving and nothing else matters. And, and they rose up with boldness to preach the gospel. And many were added to the church. Oh. And in both, God gives a a physical demonstration of His power. And it gives them the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is not, it's not unique. It is continuing. So in verse 23, when they told other believers what had happened and what the chief priests and the Pharisees had uh, been 
grilling them about, if you will, and threatening them. They pray. And in verse 29, Acts 4.29, we see what they are praying or why they are praying. It says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they, that we may speak your word. They were being threatened. Like I said before, I don't feel like we're threatened enough. You got, you're like, wait, I don't want to be threatened. I, I don't want to be persecuted. I don't, I don't want to be pushed in this way. Well, if you don't want to, want to be pushed that way and you avoid it, eventually you're going to come to a place where it is too much around you to where you can't ignore it anymore. And I believe like what I, what I really am getting out of this is that I want to stand up with boldness before I even have to so that things aren't pushed on me to be forced in that moment. But I want to rise up and say, no. I've got God. Jesus died for me and I've got the Spirit with me that I can move in His power. In Acts 4, verse 18, it says, So they called them and commanded them not to speak nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And in verse 21, it says they, they threatened them further. So they're being threatened and, and pushed into this place where they had to make a decision. And that's why they're here in this moment. But in this moment, I just want to see that, that they did not back down. They did not come to this place where, where they're like, I don't know what to do. What they did was they prayed. And they asked God for boldness, for strength, so that they could speak His Word and teach people what they had learned. They prayed. Lord, look upon their threats. That's the first request that they make of God. Look upon their, see the threats that they have made. See what they're doing. And, and in this, what they're asking God to look at is not that they were threatened, but they're asking God to look upon the fact that they were speaking against Jesus. That they were speaking against Christ, the one who had died on the cross and rose again. They said, look upon the threats that they are speaking which are against your son.'" 
your beloved son. And then they said, and here's how you should help us. In verse 29 through 30, it says, Now, look upon, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Let us be able to speak your words, not our words, not what I think, not what culture thinks, not, not what, you know, anybody else thinks, but God, let us speak your words. Let the words that are coming out of my mouth not be mine, not be some words that somebody gave me or put in my mouth, but God, let these words be your words that I speak. Verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal, not only help us to speak your words and not ours, but we ask that you would stretch out your hand to bring healing to those around us. That when we walk and we speak your words, people are healed. That we could see signs and wonders. Not that people would just know about you. but that they could feel your power and your presence and that their lives are changed because of it. God, would you stretch out your hand to heal? And that signs and wonders may be done through your name, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They ask for boldness. They ask that people would be healed. They ask for signs and wonders, things that, that would be something that couldn't be mistaken for God moving in their midst and in the world. These scriptures show us what we should be asking for and what we should be seeking after. Not just that we can have a good day today. Not, not just that things go okay at work. And yes, God is going to move in those ways and, and, and allow us to, to have great moments in work and in school and, and, and in these places, uh, you know, at the grocery store. And He's going to lead us in these moments. But not just so that we can have a good day, but so that the world could see who He is. I want the world to see who God is. And in order for that to happen, people don't just need to see that I'm having a good day. They need to see signs and wonders. They need to see that God is moving and that he does heal and that he does restore and that he does lift up and, and, and creates where things are broken and brings healing. That's what people need to see.
That's what I want Him to see in our lives. And again, I've said it a couple of times over the past handful of weeks, but in these moments, there's, there's many people that their names aren't spoken, and, and the, what I take from that and what I want to, and I don't know if this is why God did it this way, but I, what I want to take from that is that there's so many names that aren't spoken because it's not just for the people that their names are spoken, it's for everybody else that comes after. That we have no excuse to say, well, I'm not that guy. I'm not that person or I'm not named Peter or Paul or John or Matthew or one of these guys. You know, some of you are, but, you know, for the rest of us. That it's not about the name, it's about the name of God. It's about Him and who He is. And that we call on Him and ask Him for the boldness to speak His words. That He stretch out His hand in healing. That when we are moving throughout our day, that His healing is with us. Because He is with us. And like I said, it, here where we, this wonderful place that we get to live, we don't see a whole lot of persecution. There, are, there definitely is, and, and there are things that happen, and more and more there's a persecution just against truth. Just ask people, what is truth? And you'll see this. Well, what's your truth? What, you know, it's relative. It's, you know, what you make of it. It's what you want it to be. Your truth is different than my truth, and both truths are true. And what? Ha! Huh? But there are many places around the world where there is wild amounts of persecution. In China, you know, I, I was able to go to China on a mission trip with my dad years ago, and we got to take in smuggling Bibles, and it was an amazing thing. He didn't get his in, and I did, so, you know, I scored. He didn't, but because <clears throat> they confiscated his. And it was a little bit of a scary moment being a teenager, but it was amazing. But to see that, Bibles needing to be smuggled in and put under secret compartments under beds in hotel rooms or apartments or wherever it was, to hide them so that the authorities wouldn't find them, so that they could disperse them to those that wanted them. And I was able to go to Budapest, Hungary, with my dad. And another amazing thing to see in that moment was, you know, they were a communist country and, and came out of communism. I think it was probably 10 years by the time that we went. 
But my dad was speaking at this church. And this church had started many years before in a communist nation under persecution. And they had started meeting underground, as they say, in secret, in hiding, in houses, in different places. And the, the pastor that started it, you know, raised up pastors to pastor all these different peoples that were meeting all these different places. And, and they didn't even know how many people that they had in their congregation until communism was over. That rule and reign was over and they wanted to come together. And I think I'm going to get this right. But there was, I believe, 40,000 people in that church. And we have really large churches in the United States and some pretty big churches. But the point is, is that to see churches in nations that are persecuted, moving in more strength and power and growing to such greater numbers, not even knowing all the people that are in their church, but they're meeting in house to house because they can't meet outdoors and, and, and in a public space. But to see God move in that way, and, and my my point here today is that I want to see God move in those ways even before. Because He can and He will. I want to see Him move in healing, in power, in signs and wonders. I want us to be able to rise up in the boldness and to speak His words, not ours. So that we see these things happen not when it has to, but right now. The interesting thing is, is in Acts 8, you know, Jesus had spoken and said, you're going to go, right? He said, you're going to go from Judea to Samaria. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to go from city to state to, if you will, to, to country, to the rest of the world. But they hadn't gone. And in Acts 8, 1, <clears throat> Stephen was martyred just before this for speaking with boldness. And he was ran out of town and put to death. And it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. 
Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. I think it's interesting. Then when you're looking at and reading this and Jesus spoke to them and maybe he knew that they, I'm, I'm sure he did, No. That they weren't going to go until they were pushed to go. But Jesus spoke to them and said, you're going to go to Judea, Samaria. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to spread out and go far and wide. And they didn't go until they were pushed to the point that they had to be scattered. You know, I think about all the stuff that's going on. And, and you could probably continue to say this for months and years, and it's going to continue to grow as greater persecution, greater obstacles greater things that, that are, are being pushed in our nation and in the world. But I'm trying to think of how to say this. If the church isn't going, if I am not going to rise up, then I want that stuff to happen to force me to do it. If the church isn't going to speak the truth of who God is and to bring Him with them into the world around them, then the world around us is going to bring what it believes into our lives and into the church. So what do we want? Do we want to be used by God? Do we want God to move in our lives and, and for us to be able to speak this truth so that the world is changed? Or do we want to be changed because we aren't speaking the truth? But the good news, see, this is the good news. But the good news is that we have everything that we need to live life in godliness, in holiness, in boldness, in strength. What we have to do is just stand in it, to move in it, to live it, and to speak it. That's what, <clears throat> things are not going to be saved by political leaders. Things are not going to change because of 
who's in power. Things are going to change because of who knows God and what God is doing in their lives and how he's moving. Yes, we, we need to be a part of government. We need to be a part of our world. I don't like this, I'm, I'm out kind of mentality. I'm, I'm going to be out of society. I'm, I'm going to be out of you know, the world and what the world's got going on. I'm just going to sit back here and not do anything and just stay in my house and huddle up. You know, I don't like that. I also don't like thinking that somebody else is going to fix everything. I want to stand in what the Bible says, which is that God wants to move through His people, through those that He's called to His name, that He's going to use them to change the world around them, that He will move in power, that He will bring healing, and He will give you the words to speak so that you can confound the world so that we can help things change around us. My prayer is that we don't get complacent. I feel like, I think we have been for a long time. But that we aren't complacent that we don't settle for just okay or just, you know, whatever. Because what I see in Pentecost and in this moment where they come back and they start praying and asking God, they're not asking God to just be okay, they're asking God to give them what they need to change the world around them. And he shows up. I want to be a people that ask God to supply us with what is needed to change the world around us. And he will answer and he will supply. Amen? Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.